following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to celebrate that in the best way possible being the same spirit, the same joy as Patrick, same revelation. And so we're going to speak a little bit about St. Patrick today, but we're going to start in the Word of God. So maybe you have your Bibles, just open to the book of Romans. This is where Patrick got his truth, his identity, his life from, the revelation of Christ. And so I'm going to bring a little verse to you, a little phrase to you, which I, really the Lord showed me during the week, and something which is really key in understanding how Patrick managed to uh, have such an effect in this nation and indeed how we are having an effect in this nation and will continue to have an effect in this nation by this same revelation. So this is Romans 6. I'm going to read from verse 11. Romans 6 verse 11 says this, talking about considering yourselves. How important that is, even so consider yourselves. Even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you may obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. What a beautiful phrase. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So is that verse, verse 13, can you see it there? Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. That's who actually we are now. We are people alive from the dead. And I want to speak this morning about what it means to present yourselves to God and present yourself to this nation as people alive from the dead, because I believe that's the revelation that Patrick had. That's what the Holy Spirit really has been ministering to us, obviously for some time, and we've spoken about it this morning, is that really that we are no longer of this earth, but we are now in Christ. And therefore, In a very real sense, we have been lifted up, as it were, into Christ, into our union with Christ, into a high place. And I believe it's that same revelation that equipped Patrick to walk through this nation. And I want to show you that from the scriptures this morning, the revelation of your union with Christ. Now, there's lots of different pictures about this in the Bible, but what I want to show you this morning is right the way through the New Testament, it speaks about us being lifted up. It could be to talk about in different languages, but what the Lord is saying is, consider yourself to be different. Consider yourself to be lifted up. See life from a different perspective. See life from union with me. See life from the mountaintop. That's what the Lord said this morning. I want you to live on the mountaintop. I want you to see from the mountaintop. I want you to think from the mountaintop. I want you to live from the mountaintop. I want you to see things from there, even as we had that experience in worship this morning. You see things differently when you see from Christ when you see after the cross, when you see who you are in him. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church, opening our eyes to see who we are. How can we sum up all of that? Well, of course, we have this morning in in thinking about this grace of God and how he has lifted us up so high that no human mind can imagine how high. No human mind has got the measure of how high we have been lifted up in Christ. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. He's done nothing less than lift us up into himself 
And the result of that revelation, for all of us who have been humbled to receive it, is a river. A river of gratitude. A river of peace. A river of revelation. Now, does that sound anything like what Patrick experienced? Well, let me tell you what Patrick experienced in his words. Listen to his words. I know for certain that before I was humbled, I was like a stone lying in deep mire in the mud. And he that is mighty came, and in his mercy, he raised me up and indeed lifted me high up and placed me on top of the wall. On top of the wall. And from there, from there, I ought to shout out in gratitude to the Lord for his great favor in this world and forever. Favor that the mind of man cannot measure. I think he had a revelation of the gospel, don't you? Praise God. He just knew that something had happened in his life and he had been lifted out of the dirt, out of the mud, and placed in the highest of highs. So high, he knew that no man could measure how high he'd been placed. And it caused him to have such gratitude that he had to go to this nation to pour out that thanksgiving to God out of a revelation of how high God had lifted him, you know. And I believe that's why the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us over and over again, this revelation of union with Christ, because he is equipping us with the same revelation that we would present ourselves to God first and then to this nation as people alive from the dead. Do you know what dead means in God's perspective? Dead, when it's mentioned in the Bible, always means separation. It always means separation. So what the Holy Spirit is saying, stop living as if you, as a believer, are separated from God. You have been raised from the dead. Present yourself, therefore, as people alive from the dead. Now you're dead to sin, separated from sin, but alive to God, in union with God. You see, what I want to tell you this morning is, this message is to be proclaimed from the top of the wall, not from the bottom of the wall. And the problem with us as a church is we've been trying to proclaim a message from the bottom of the wall, from the mud, from the atom, from the natural mindset. And God has lifted us up that you would declare this gospel from heaven, from Christ, from a revelation that sin has been dealt with, and you are now one with Christ. Oh my goodness, and only the Holy Spirit can give us that revelation. And he is. And he is. And it's lifting us. What just lifts you out of yourself, lifts you out of the natural times, lifts you out of the temporal passing away things into the eternal realm, that you can live by the name God has always seen you by and given you by in Christ. This is just so beautiful. What's the Holy Spirit saying as he opens our eyes? How about this? Stop merely examining yourself for sin and start examining yourself for Christ. See not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Stop trying to be a better Christian and start living in Christ as the Son of the Most High God. Start to proclaim the gospel from the top of that wall, not from the mud at the bottom. Now, to the ears of naturally-minded men, such talk, of course, sounds almost blasphemous, for we think that God prefers if we think of ourselves not as high or as clean as Christ, but as low and as dirty as the mud that Patrick described, that stone sitting in. But what filled Patrick with such joy and power and gratitude that he changed the nation was seeing that God did what Patrick could never do. God lifted him from the very mud. 
God lifted him from the very earth into the very heavens, into the Most High God. And my goodness, that Patrick then presented himself to God as one alive from the dead. Do you know how people, many people Patrick raised from the dead? It's phenomenal. I tell you, you know, secular authors, when they read these things, they think this is just fiction. They don't think it's possible for someone to be raised from the dead. Praise God. Patrick raised so many people from the dead. And apparently there was stories of people who had been dead for quite some time. <laughs> you know. Because he, first of all, you see, he presented himself as someone who'd been raised from the dead. And we had that lovely story from uh, Robert King. Remember, Robert, somebody uh, talked to you in the shop and uh, they wanted to know, well, has anybody ever come back from the dead? And you had that beautiful reply. Well, actually, yes, you're speaking to somebody who came back from the dead. Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. Present yourself as somebody alive from the dead. You see, death is separation. You're no longer in separation. You're no longer to think of yourself as that way, living as if one day you'll be with him. Today is the day. The whole of creation is groaning to see this day, to see the day that we're living in, the day of union, the day of heaven on the face of the earth. That's what the nation is waiting for. That's the gospel that Patrick proclaimed. He said, it's true. And here's how it's true. Look at the manifestation of the power of heaven on the face of the earth. And God confirmed that message by raising the dead and healing the sick. And so a whole nation was changed. And what have we, all these years later, a nation again waiting for God to do something. The power of religion. Praise God. This is the life of all who are in Christ. We are called to present ourselves as alive from the dead. Almost blasphemous in man's eyes, but here's what's blasphemous in heaven's eyes. For Christians to live as if the life of Christ never happened. As if we never were raised from the dead and in Christ. And that's why the Holy Scriptures declare right the way through the New Testament, of course, again and again to the church, church, you died with Christ. Church, you were buried with Christ. That's why he put that cross over the baptismal tank. You're buried at the foot of the cross. You were buried in Christ. Church, you rose with Christ. Church, you ascended with Christ. Church, you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. Why should we consider ourselves to be such people? For when the gospel is proclaimed from the top of the wall, it is much more power than it's been proclaimed from the bottom of the wall. That's what Patrick realized. Praise God. It's so important. Why does the Holy Spirit want us to believe this? Why is it so important that we present ourselves to God as people alive from the dead? Okay, let's have a look at the scriptures. Turn to River City Church's favorite scripture, please. Come on now. We should know it by now. It's up in the PowerPoint every Sunday for the last number of years. Colossians. Turn. Come on, Colossians 3. Turn your Bibles. Favorite scripture, Colossians 3, verse 1. And of course, when we turn to Colossians 3, verse 1, the funny thing is, the very first thing that we actually read is the word, therefore. And therefore, because that therefore is therefore, we're always told you should ask what therefore is therefore. So rather than simply read Colossians 3, we'll turn back to Colossians 2, because we're speaking this morning of the power of the revelation of the church's union with Christ, and how that revelation was a key in the ministry of Patrick, and is a key today to see a river flowing in this nation, a river of gratitude and of joy and of power. So we're thinking about union. We're asking the question, is this really the gospel, this business about us being in union with Christ? Look at Colossians 2. We're going to read from verse 6, and I want you to pay attention to how many times the phrase in him or with him is used in this passage. And then we'll read our favorite passage, okay? So this is the build-up to it. Colossians 2 from verse 6, it says, Therefore, 
As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made with our hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Praise the Lord! having cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it away, having nailed it to the cross. And when he disarmed the rules and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Praise God. Now, having emphasized repeatedly in that passage about our union with Christ and how we're to live raised from the dead, Paul then asks a question to the Colossian believers. And of course, we know this was written by the Holy Spirit. This was written by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is asking this question. I want you to see this question. Look at verse 20, because I believe the Holy Spirit is asking this question to this generation as well, to every generation. We'll read now from verse 20. It says this, If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world... Did you get that? Why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but they're of no value against fleshly indulgence. That last verse, verse 23, mentions self-made religion. So when Paul is talking about these decrees that we come under, he's saying basically, why do you submit yourself to religion? Look at verse 20 again. What a statement. Why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to religion? And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to ask us the same question in this generation. Why do you act as if you're still living in the world? You left behind the world of religion. The world is for natural men who cannot see that only the flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit and only God can lift men into himself and that he has done so in Christ. Religion is for men of this world, naturally minded men who think they can clean themselves up, lift themselves to the top of the wall to be as godly as God is but maybe St. Patrick might say it like this, the gospel is not about you cleaning yourself up to be the least muddy stone in Derry. <laughs> the gospel is you were lifted. You were lifted out of the mud. You were lifted out of separation. You were lifted out of death. You were lifted out of sin, and you were placed at the very top of the wall. Christ Jesus, Lord of all, the head of all. All things in him. That's the gospel. 
The gospel is not that you could be the least modest stone in Derry. The gospel is that you were lifted. Somebody else lifted you. You don't have to lift yourself. You have no need of religion. You don't need it because you were lifted. You were lifted. You see? It's past tense. That's why the gospel is such good news. It's about something that has already happened. See, look around you. The whole world is trying to clean themselves. Have you noticed? But that last verse, verse 23, speaks about religion having the appearance of wisdom, but no amount of cleaning yourself up has any power over the flesh. And every person here knows this because we've all tried to clean ourselves up. And there's no power in religion to clean yourself up. A Christian is someone who can live from the top of the wall, not the mud at the bottom. Someone who can present themselves to God as alive from the dead. A Christian is someone who can live from another world, another dimension called in Christ. Why are you still living in this world? Can you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? Verse 20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself still to degrees? The key to living in the power of the Spirit is to decide which world are you going to live from? Which world are you going to live from? The world before the cross, the world after the cross. The world outside of Christ, the world in Christ. The world of earthly men and natural-minded thinking, or the world of the Spirit. The world where we are down here and God is up there and our job is to sin less and less so that one day we might make it up there to be with God, that is to live with faith in yourself. That's the world of self-made religion. Or to live in the world where God has torn down the veil between down here and up there, between sinful man and sinless God, and now has made a way through Christ. For us to live from God, from up there, from communion with God's spirits, even though our bodies are still living down here and walking down here. That is to live with your faith in Christ, or as Paul put it, the faith of Christ. And that's the way Jesus lived. He lived in union with the Father and the Son, and the Spirit, sorry. And when people asked him, how do you do the things you do? He said, I don't do anything of myself. I'm not living by myself. I'm living in union with the Father and the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, he won't say anything of himself either because he's living in union, Father, Son, and Spirit. Can you see? Communion. That's the life we have now. Now, we're getting a revelation of that this direction. We haven't quite got a revelation of it this direction yet. But you know, we are brothers and sisters. Turn to the person beside you and say, Hello, brother. Hello, sister. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, my goodness, you know. You know, that revelation that this brings this way it says when the world sees the way that you are together, they'll know that you're my disciples. You see, because I've lived that way, Jesus said. That's the way I live. That's the love I have, you see. It's not an I love, it's an us love. That's the way I see. And when, I, when the world sees you living like that, they'll know that you're of me because that's the way I am. Praise God. Why is it so important that we believe that when Christ died, our old, separate from God, try harder to be holier, life died with him? and that we were raised up to a new life in him. Because, believing that, we can learn to set our minds to live from this place called the mountaintop. This place called in Christ, hidden with Christ in the heavenly realms. And to live from there is to live constantly in the presence of God. Oh my goodness. And that is by far the most effective way to deal with fleshly indulgence. The presence of God. 
In the same way that no darkness can stand in the noonday sun, <laughs> no flesh can stand in the presence, if you see what that is, the presence of God. Like, let me put it this way. When are you at your best behavior? Come on. In church. Why is that? Oh, because we're more aware here of the presence of God after Nicholas led us in worship or somebody else or somebody's prayed or somebody's preached. We're so aware of the presence of God here in the body. And we thank God for the dynamic of the body of Christ. But can you see that if we walked out there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and was aware of the presence of God in Sainsbury's or Little's or the post office as you are this morning, can you see how that would change your life? Now, that's God's way of dealing with sin. He said, let me deal with it. My presence. By the Holy Spirit, your job is to believe me, to rise up to be who I declare you to be, my presence, in my presence, living in my presence. Now we can read, therefore. Look now at Colossians 3. You see, because of all that, because you can now consider yourself alive from the dead, therefore, if, that's a big if, well, what can you say? If you have been raised, if you have been raised up with Christ, can anybody here say they've been raised up with Christ? Well, come on. If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, oh my goodness, most powerful four words in the Bible, who is our life? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you'll also be revealed with him in glory. I don't believe that's just talking about Christ coming back. I believe it's talking about today. I believe is a revelation of glory. The church is going to be so glorious with the presence of God that revival sweeps the earth because people are just so taken by the light and the glory and the love that's emanating from our lives that people are just attracted to that. And in a whole era of uncertainty and fear and anxiety to find certainty, to find peace, to find love in our lives. And that's why the Holy Spirit is saying, please, Consider yourselves. Think of yourselves this way. Set your mind on this. You are alive from the dead. That's who you are. In my eyes, you are now my spirit at work on the face of the earth. The body, my body, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my voice. We heard his voice speak through his body this morning. These are the things the Holy Spirit is telling us to consider. Here's a question. You see, I believe that's what Patrick believed, because there's no way he could have overcome the druids and all the local superstitions that held people in bondage without a supernatural demonstration of the presence of God. And that's what history tells us. See, this truth of our union with Christ, was this the key to Patrick's ministry? That's what I'm asking this morning. Do you think Patrick believed that he'd been raised up to live in Christ, and that Christ, the very holiness of God, lived in him, so that everywhere in Ireland Patrick went, it was like Jesus Christ himself had walked into that place. Do you think Patrick believed what the Holy Spirit has been showing us, that we didn't so much ask Christ into our life, but in fact Christ ended our life on the cross, so that we could now be found in his life, as if we're walking around inside the life of Christ? Is that what Patrick believed? Well, you make up your mind. Let me read you what he said. 
Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit up, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, and Christ in every ear that hears me. That's Patrick. I think he had a revelation of Christ and being in Christ and in the Christ life. I think that's what made the difference. That was the key. And as Patrick grew in the knowledge of the goodness of God, he began to see that the great things he was accomplishing, that God was accomplishing, I should say, through him, and the great revelation of God he had was not because of something he had done, but because of the character of God, who was a good, good father and had given these things to Patrick freely. That's what blew his mind. He wrote about this. Listen to these words from Patrick. This is beautiful. He wrote this, God watched over me before I knew him and before I learned sense or even could distinguish between good and evil, he protected me. And listen to this. He consoled me as a father would his son. Isn't that amazing? Patrick getting that revelation. It reminded me when I read that what Tim Jack said to us a couple of years ago when he was here. Do you remember he said, God by his Holy Spirit was at work in your life and my life long before we give him permission to be so. To know God is that good, as good as a loving father, changes the way you see people. You see, in realizing that he was loved so much as a son, Patrick was filled with the heart of a father for Ireland. He had the love of the father. That's why he came. People, imagine his family trying to stop him from going back to the place where he was a slave. But he couldn't, because when you're the father of children, you'll go through hell to get to your children. You see? That's the heart of God. I've, I've felt that heart. You know, when Shadjah was here, we experienced that heart. When that little Japanese lady spoke last Wednesday, we experienced that heart, you know. I just thought, God, it's frightening. I had to draw back from it. I thought, Lord, I couldn't live with that heart, you know. I, I, you know, I remember I was speaking to Nicola during the week. Um, there was a moment when Christopher, our oldest child, what age was Christopher when he got lost one day in Bunkrana? He was about four or five. You know, we were down at Bunkrana, and um, we had given Christopher some instruction. We said to him, we'll meet you back at the car. There was a mix-up in the instructions. Anyway, we turned around, and Christopher was gone, and he was nowhere to be found, and, and he was missing for what seemed like an eternity. It might have only been 15 minutes. I mean, by the, by the end of that 10 minutes, we had a crowd of people in the playground of Moncrana searching for Christopher. We were shouting the top voices. I was distraught. Nicola was the same way. That was, that was 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, we were distraught. Imagine how the heart of God feels for Ireland. I can't go there. But see, that, that's, that's what Patrick felt. And see, you only get to feel that when you see how he feels about you. You see how he feels about you, how he feels about his lost children, you know? And then we, the church, are giving people the impression that God is angry with them and that they need to get themselves cleaned up before they can come to church. And you see how God, the heart of God, is yearning for people to get a revelation of his love? So we've been speaking about our union with Christ and the importance of learning to live and walk as someone not just someone only living in this world, but as someone living in a heavenly dimension called in Christ. And that requires our eyes to be opened to the reality that God sees. And it was in Patrick's day, and it still is in our day today, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what God sees. 
And when we open our eyes to see how high God has lifted us into himself, there is only one response. And Patrick wrote it down. And that response is a shout of joy. It's a shout of joy. For the whole of heaven is waiting for the most massive shout of joy to come from the church. That's what this revelation is going to bring. It's going to bring such joy. Such strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength in the church of Jesus Christ. Patrick wrote it, I was lifted so high, and from there I ought to shout out in gratitude to the Lord for his great favors in this world and forever that the mind of man cannot measure. In other words, the revelation Patrick had is that in his generation and every generation, the gospel is nothing less than a shout of gratitude to the Lord for his great favors in this world and forever. Favors that the mind of man cannot measure. That's the gospel. And there's only one way to proclaim that shout of gratitude in a power that the kingdoms of this world have to give way to. And that is to shout that shout from the top of the wall, not from the bottom. From the top of the wall. From who we are in Christ, not from who we are as mere men. We need to start proclaiming the gospel, not as religious Christians, but as raised up sons of the Most High God. We need to present ourselves to God as those alive from the dead, that we may present ourselves to this nation in the same way. Alive from the dead. We need to proclaim the gospel not as the good advice of men and women who are waiting to meet God one day, but as the good news of men and women who are now living with Christ, living in God from the heavenly realm today. You see, that word gospel, uh, euangelion, by definition, is a proclamation of a great victory that has already happened. We've said this so often. The gospel is not good advice as to what people need to do for God. It is the good news of what God has done for all people. But even for that news to go out in power and authority, it must be carried by people themselves who are coming from that victory. Not on the way to the victory, but coming from the victory. Wales beat Ireland yesterday in the rugby. Let's all bow our heads for a moment. Silence. <laughs> now, if somebody had come to you with that message before the match started, you'd think, ah, right, nah, no way. But if somebody came to you with that message after the match was over, you'd have to believe them. Folks, the gospel is the message we carry that the victory's already won. We're coming from that victory. And that was the secret of the power of the disciples in the early church. The gospel must be proclaimed from the top of the wall, from our union with Christ. Do you remember the Pharisees were shocked at how uneducated fishermen could speak with such boldness? Do you remember that scripture? Let me read it to you in Acts. It's Acts 4, verse 13. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Where's their confidence come from? Well, they had been with Jesus. Well, they didn't know that Jesus was God, did they? But we know. So we know their confidence wasn't because they had been with Jesus. It's because God was always with them. The Holy Spirit was in them. Their confidence wasn't that they had been with Jesus, but that they were with Jesus. You see? That's our confidence. That's our boldness. You will be as bold as you are aware that God is with you. Oh, that's worth seeing again. I was David when he told Saul. He went into Saul's tent and Saul said, what makes you think that you, a skinny youngster, can take on a giant like that? You'll be as confident as you are aware that the Spirit of God is with you. So the whole work of the Holy Spirit in the church right now 
is to open the church's eyes to the fact that God is with you to such an extent that he has placed you in him, that you and I, like Patrick, can see Christ everywhere. I remember speaking to a believer some years ago, and uh, he said to me, I just asked him how he was, you know, and he said, sin, that's all I can see everywhere, sin. I thought, oh my goodness, I only asked him how he was doing, you know. <coughs> you know? I thought, what am I going to say, you know? And I said, well, you know, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace does. So what I can see everywhere is grace, grace, grace. And that's the sort of people that this nation needs. People who say, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ in me. Praise God. Christ standing, speaking to you right now. That's what the nation needs. And that's what God is doing. Praise the Lord. So when the gospel is preached in the power of the risen life, the power of the spirits, in the reality of our union with Christ, it becomes more than good news. It actually becomes the presence of God. Wow. Did you hear that? You see, you can preach the gospel from the bottom of the wall or the top of the wall, but if you preach the gospel from your position in Christ, it becomes the very presence of God. Because that's what the gospel says. That's what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that God lives in his people. We're proclaiming that we are one with God. And so when you proclaim that with authority, believing, suddenly people are standing in the very presence of God. Now that's called authority. That's why the, the people said that this Jesus, when he teaches us, he doesn't teach as our teachers teach us. He teaches as one with authority. And see, what that means when you translate it, it means he teaches us as somebody who actually knows him who he's speaking of. Do you know when you speak to people about God, they actually know if you know who you're talking of. You see, you'll either speak with authority or you won't. That's why when you give your testimony, you're speaking with more authority than any other time in your life because nobody can take away your testimony because you know this happened to you. Well, God wants you to know like you know your testimony that you're in Christ and Christ is in you. And so when you stand and you speak to people, God himself is speaking to those people. And that's what he is doing. That's what he is doing right now. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. We have to shout that shout from the top of the wall, not the mud at the bottom. And when the gospel is preaching that power, well, look at the power in the old covenants when they all stood outside Jericho and gave a massive shout. That was under the old covenant. When God was with them, they gave a shout. What happened? The wall came down, didn't it? Do you know this nation is full of walls? In people's mind, and you have friends, and their mind is like a wall. You're trying to get through this. The wall of unbelief It's taken years to build up. It's a wall of unbelief. That's what we're facing in this nation, a wall of unbelief. And I believe that when we proclaim the gospel as a shout from the top of heaven, that wall comes down in that moment. Because when Christ says it, when God says, let there be light, there is light. There is light. And so you see what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's trying to raise his people up to think from that place. to be Stop making excuses for yourself and saying you're just a dirty, rotten, no good. Get up off the mud because you were raised out of the mud. He placed you. That's false humility. He raised you up. Give him the glory. Stop taking the glory yourself, saying, well, maybe if I keep doing it, keep doing, keep doing, one day I'll be holy enough. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. And all glory to him. And you know what happens when you believe that? There is a river of joy. There is a river of gratitude. There is a river of power. And there's a river of prophecy. Because when you look at people and you feel a love of God for them, you just tell them who they are. You just tell them who they are. Just tell them who they are. That's what's going to bring people to Christ. I'm prophesying that right now. You're going to look at many people in this nation, and you're going to tell them who they are. 
and they, by the grace of God, are going to believe it, and in that moment they will be who God tells them they are. That's the gospel. But you can't do that unless you've accepted who you are. And that's why judgment starts at the house of God. Because the judgment is the view and opinion of God. This is the view and opinion of God. Do you know who you are? Why do you live as if still living in the world when I lifted you off the mud and placed you on the top of the wall? No more false humility in the church. Be who you are in Christ. You have been reconciled to God, therefore we implore you, as ambassadors of Christ, be reconciled to God. No more living in separation. No more living as religious dead people waiting to be with God. Be who you are in Christ. B, present yourself to God in prayer and in life as those alive from the dead. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Let me finish by saying this. Do you know the greatest witness in the New Testament apart from Jesus Christ? Have a little think about this. Let me give you a clue. This person was so good at leading people into the revelation of God that the Pharisees decided that we've got to kill him now. We've got to kill this guy. So they had a conspiracy to kill this guy. I'm not talking about Jesus. We're talking about somebody else. The Pharisees decided that they had to kill. They had to shut up. Lazarus. Lazarus. Who was Lazarus? The man who had the audacity to present himself as alive from the dead. <laughs> you see how effective it is to preach the gospel as someone alive from the dead. And that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Lazarus Church. You see, what would, those, what would Lazarus have done? Imagine his relative had not obeyed Christ and had not unbound Lazarus. They took Lazarus everywhere, bound up so he couldn't see a thing, couldn't hear a thing, you know, and couldn't speak a thing because he was wrapped up, you know. And that's where Lazarus went. He wouldn't lead many people to Christ, would he? And that's the state of the church. Wrapped up in old covenant law-based death thinking. And the Lord says, unbind him. And that's what's happening right now. The church, the Lazarus church, has been unbound by the restoration of the gospel that we can stand and present ourselves to God as alive from the dead. So let me finish by proclaiming this over you, River City Church. This is what we read this morning as we opened. And this is now a proclamation over you, okay? River City Church, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. And all God's people said...